The book of Acts chapter 24. I've got a burden on my heart this morning. I'm going to just mention it to the church. And, uh, I stood here and certainly the Lord began to deal with me even in Sunday school and I was thinking about it and how to go about doing it. And at first I felt like maybe this morning we would just have a testimony service. And then the Lord began to kind of show me maybe the direction He wanted us to go with this. And so I'm going to just put it before the church. Because here's what I believe. I believe that it's important for a child of God to be ready always to give an answer for the hope that lies within Him with meekness and fear. So we always be ready to give our testimony, to tell somebody when we got saved. Albeit, I also believe in the church we're to do things decently and in order. And so I'm going to ask the church, if you would, maybe to give me the liberty or make a motion that we, uh, you allow me at least the liberty to give a little time on Sunday mornings for the next few weeks. If somebody just maybe would do one at a time, but if somebody wanted to give their testimony, uh, that we do that. And then also at the same time, if you ladies wanted to do it, you write it down and give it to me. And I'll at least have that for my records. Uh, one day might need it, uh, and then also I can take it and maybe read it on a Sunday, that, you know, as well to do that. And because and the reason I say that is because the Bible says it's not permitted for a woman to speak, nor to usurp authority over a man. So uh, we, we want to keep it decent and in order. So what I'm asking for is just the liberty to allow testimonies, and for the ladies maybe to read your testimony from time to time. Uh, if the Lord is in that on certain Sunday or Wednesday or whenever it is, just to allow that. So there be a motion of that effect so we can do it decent in order. Again, it's a very heavy burden on my heart, and I, I could have just brought it and sprung it on you this morning, but maybe give you a little heads up to you. You'd be thinking about it and praying about it. Okay, motion is made. Second, any discussion? All, right, all those in favor of this, and if you didn't understand that, you, you speak to me and we'll talk about any, any all those denied. Okay, so that's, that takes place. And, uh, I don't want to scare anybody. I'm not going to force anybody. I'm just going to give it, stand here, and if anybody got their testimony they want to give on their heart, uh, you feel free to do that. We'll start maybe uh, a, a little later. Uh, we won't do that this morning. And again, if you ladies want to tell your testimony, if you just write it down on a card or something and give it to me, if I, you know, if a Lord's in it, I may read that for the church to hear. Or just keep it personally. If you'd rather me keep it personal, I can, at least your pastor has your testimony. I think it's good for a preacher to be able to hear the testimony of the flock he pastors. And, you know, and, and so that's, we'll just do it that way. Acts chapter 24. And verse 24, Acts 24 and verse 24. <clears throat> and after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time, when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore, he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. 
But after two years, Porcius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. Now, as we look at this this morning, I know that many of you have heard this read from and taught from, preached from uh, many times, but I think about these young children growing up, and there may be someone in the house, certainly you haven't heard it or read it, and so I want us to look at Felix this morning. And the Bible lets us know that uh, he was very disturbed whenever the message was preached to him from Paul, that Paul no doubt preached in a way that his heart was convicted and he began to tremble under the power of the Word of God. And because of this, he we don't know that he ever got saved. But I don't know that Felix ever got saved. It does say he called from him often and communed with him. But even after a couple of years, he just went ahead and he still kind of went to please the crowd. He, he, he was willing to show the Jews a pleasure rather than, I think, if he would have trusted Jesus, that God would have let us know that instead of just letting us know he went on to please the crowd. And so I, I don't believe Felix ever got saved. The Bible the Bible simply does not say, and so there's no way to know for sure. But one thing we do know with certainty, and that is he offered an excuse rather than getting saved on this day. As God would convict his heart, as the Holy Spirit would, would prick his heart, and, and the Word of God began to, to prick him, that the Bible said, he made an excuse. He said, Go thy way, Paul. At a more convenient season, I'll call for you. So at a more convenient season, rather than just, I surrender, I trust Jesus, and rather than this man getting saved, he said, I'm going to wait for a better time, a more convenient season than what I'm having right now. Why didn't, why didn't Felix get saved Right then and there, as the Holy Ghost was dealing with his heart. Why didn't he just go ahead and get saved? You know, there's several things that we can glean from this passage of Scripture. First thing we've already looked at a little bit, uh, and that was that maybe the timing is just not right for him. Uh, that's at least what he come up with there on the spur of the moment. That this is just not the right time for this. And, and so... He had other things to do, and he didn't want to be bothered rather at this time. I don't want to be bothered with that. I don't want to be bothered with what you're preaching to me. I don't like the way that makes me feel. I don't, I don't like this. And so it's not the time for it. Maybe at a different time, I'll hear you preach and, and, and we can take care of this. But not right now. This is not the right time. Uh, I want to say to you, if you're here and you're unsaved, you say, well, I'm going to get saved down the road. I plan to get saved at some point in my life. I don't believe anybody really sitting under the gospel for any length of time just plans on dying and going to hell. I, I, I just don't believe a person sitting there lost under the convicting power of God thinking, you know what, I, I'm just going to be tough enough, I'm going to go to hell. I believe that those that are sitting there and they're being convicted, they feel like I'm going to get saved, just maybe not at this time. 
And maybe that's you this morning. I'm going to get saved down the road. Can I tell you this? There will never be a more convenient season, uh, a better time in your life to get saved than right now. There'll never be a better time. There'll be something that'll be more inconvenient down the road. Not only will it be more inconvenient, but your heart will continue to get harder. That's why the Lord said, you consider your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come along. Before you get to a point to just get set in your ways. So when the Lord deals with your heart, the best time to get saved is right then and there. If the Lord is dealing with your heart this morning, the best time for you to get saved is right now. It will never get better than this. Brother Brad, how do you know that? Life could slow down. Things could change. Circumstances could change. I can tell you this. The reason it will never be better is because you have no guarantee of tomorrow. So it could not be better. It could be an awful lot worse. But it could never get better. The reason I say that is because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You're not going to read where tomorrow is the day of salvation. Where next week, next revival, five years down the road you can get saved. What you find is today is the day of salvation. So you'll never have a better time than now. In fact, you may not have time to get saved if you don't get saved now. So he offers this excuse. Time is just not right. More convenient season. Whenever I'm not dealing with all this politics, whenever, maybe maybe his excuse could have been, oh, he trembled in front of his wife. You know how men are. We, we kind of certainly can be prideful and we won't be manly men and we, we want everybody to see us as, you know, we kind of got everything together at all times and we don't want to be emotionally stirred in front of people. And, and so Paul is preaching a message to him and, and, and as he hears that message, it convicts his heart and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost does something that, that is unplanned to him. He feels like I'm just going to go hear this argument about this, this Paul and, and why he's in prison. And as Paul preaching, it catches him off guard and he realizes all of a sudden uh, that, that he don't have control even of his own emotions to some degree. He trembles under this preaching and when he, whenever this happens, Maybe his excuse is this. I don't want my wife to see me like this. <laughs> she she come with him. I would have say that she was convicted. But he was. He trembled. I don't want to see me like this. It, it's just not a good time. Now, Paul, look, this is not a good time. You caught me off guard with this. I, I don't want to deal with it right now. I don't want her to see me. A lot of times, there's people that are sitting in the church and they're lost, and they're more worried about the person sitting next to them than they are about the gospel, than they are about their own soul. And, and look, that's not just for us to save. There's a lot of saved people, the Lord moving in their hearts and lives and pricking them. And they say, well, about this fellow over here, this girl over here, or mom or daddy, or whatever the case may be. And they're more concerned about what somebody's going to think. 
me say this. If the Lord's calling some of you young men to preach, don't be worried about what everybody's going to think. You surrender to the Lord and do His work and let God make something out of you and then everybody will understand it was of God. Brother Chad, whenever the Lord called me to preach and I finally surrendered, I had people look at me like, what? Not you, you can't even speak. I, I mean, we can't even hear your voice when you talk. I had an older preacher when I walked in right after I surrendered to the call to preach. I mean, he was sitting at a table. And, uh, I, I think it might have been after a funeral and they had, they had had a bunch of tables set out at this home and there was about 200 people there gathered together and this preacher was sitting there and he had a crowd all around him and they was talking and joking and laughing. And when I walked in, I become the laughing stock of the whole place. I'm not going to tell you the preacher's name. If I told you, you'd know him. <coughs> He, 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 was, he could be, uh, very, he lacked tact. I'll put it that way. A lot of things. And whenever I walked in, he laughed. He said, there's that preacher we can't even hear whenever he gets up in the pulpit. He's right. That's the way it was, Brother Bud. I, 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 that was my nature. I had to overcome a lot of things. I had to at least get my voice to a level where people could hear it. And I thought, you know, that, that's such a, that, that was kind of hurtful. I left there almost in tears. Big grown man. About in tears because he got an old preacher and making fun of him. You know, the Lord said, don't, don't let anybody despise that. I was just useful. That's all it was. I still have some things to learn. Still do to this day. So if you're hearing the Lord's dealing with you, don't let what somebody else thinks. Alter the course that God has for you. But you know that's the way it is with, with this man. The Lord is dealing with him to be saved. It might be that that wife there, he just got looking at her, well, I don't want her to see me like this. There's been a lot of decisions that people have made that have quenched the Holy Spirit of God because they're worried about what everybody else thinks. I asked for a motion this morning. That's a little awkward. I sat up here in this pulpit squirming, thinking, my goodness, if I ask this, people might look at me funny and they might think that I'm crazy. It very well could be I quench the Holy Spirit because I'm worried about what somebody thinks. I do believe in decent and order. I do believe that. But I also believe in being led by the Holy Spirit of God. And we have to find that. We, we, have to, we have to see that and be willing to step out on faith like Brother Jared mentioned this morning if he wants you to follow him over a cliff. Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. That's the kind of faith God wants out of us. And, and so here you've got a man that, that he's got this excuse and, and, and how that, oh, that the timing's wrong or maybe there's somebody here that I don't want uh, to be embarrassed in front of. You know, the... The Bible speaks of this. That we can get to a point where our consciences are seared. I, I believe that's another way of saying we get to a place where we're just hard-hearted. And though God deals with us, we just kind of, we're, we're kind of stone cold toward it. I believe I'm watching 
a lot of people in our day and time that have been, maybe life has just been a little bit unkind to them, you might say. Maybe they've dealt with some circumstances in life that's been tough. Maybe they've had somebody that they trusted that betrayed them in some kind of way. And it just seems like that hearts are getting harder and harder and harder, younger and younger and younger in life. You know God has the power to prick the heart. The Holy Spirit can prick the heart that you think, man, that heart's so hard. I heard somebody make this statement not too long ago. I tell you what, that heart's so hard, it's going to take God to prick it. There's not a heart in this building that any, that, that, look, it's going to take God to prick every heart in this building. Not just the hardest of hearts. Bible said he hoped also that money might be given to him. So I want to kind of look that word also. Not only had he been convicted, and not only did he kind of put it off, but after that, he hoped also. There was another thing in the way, and that was this thought, well, Paul probably could come up with a pretty good sum of money, and I could let him go. And so he got his attention after that he was convicted and after he denied and after he walks away, he, he, he then got in his mind money. You know, I, I think I have seen that before, how did God convict hearts and, 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 and I mean bring somebody what we might think of being on the doorstep of getting saved and then all of a sudden they kind of harden their heart, whatever excuse may come, uh, come to their mind, just offer an excuse, whether it's a convenient season or whatever, but then they get away and then all of a sudden the devil throws them something else out there. Something all of a sudden that might even drive a wedge a little bit further between them and getting saved. See, it, when I read this, Brother Calvin, it looks like he's almost there. He, he's convicted. He's trembled. The Lord got a hold of his heart. And he said, a, a, a more convenient season, we'll talk about this. And he walks away. And after that, he goes, also, he might be getting some money. See how did the devil offer him something else to hinder him and drive away further? Today is a day of salvation if you lost. And the Lord convicted in your heart. Maybe you tremble. Maybe the Lord got a hold of you and you say, well, I'm going to get saved down the road. I'll tell you what the devil's going to do. He's going to come along. He's going to drive you another wedge down to try to separate you. Because he knows that. If God knows you right on the doorstep, and, and, and King Agrippa said, almost I persuade me to be a Christian. In other words, I've just about got saved. Well, I guarantee you the devil coming along. So let me put a wedge right there to drive you a little bit further away. And if you lost here this morning and you have been lost for some time, I believe you can stop and look and see where the devil has drove a wedge here. And maybe the Lord began to convict your heart again and said, the devil, come along. I can't let that happen. Let me drive another wedge there. And next thing you know, he'll have you way out here in the left field somewhere. Your heart will be so hard. <clears throat> so this morning, if Felix is burning in hell... I want to ask you, what good were any of them excuses he offered? More convenient season. Well, if he didn't get saved, then he died and went to hell. He never was a convenient season, was he? What much of an excuse. If he's worried about his wife 
And what she thought, she's dead and gone now. Over 2,000 years, she's been dead and gone. He's there burning in hell. What good did that do? And if it was all about the money, and even though the Lord dealt with his heart, and he, uh, he trembled under the preaching of the word, and, and he got his mind on money. Boy, I, Paul's a rich man, no doubt. He's probably got money somewhere. I, I know at one time he was very uh, a, a very prestigious man, and so he's probably got a good, a, a, a good nest egg somewhere. And so if he'd just give me that money, I could let him go. And all of a sudden he got his mind on that. Well, if Paul would have been able to come up with a million dollars to give him, what good would it do him now? Burning in hell. Around 2,000, at least 2,023 years plus, he's been there burning. Still not consumed. Still tormented in flames. I, I know unless something happened, the Lord just didn't let us know. If he died lost, and he never found that convenient season, he never got past some excuses that he offered, then over 2,000 years he has been burning in agony. Still regretting them excuses. If he gained the whole world and he lost his soul, what has he accomplished? You see, our adversary, the devil, he is so, so crafty. He will never put in your mind, you just not going to get saved. He'll just put in your mind, you don't have to get saved right now. Uh, look, that preacher, he, he preaches this all the time. When you get ready, then you'll get saved. Don't, don't let him pressure you. I'm not here to pressure you into anything. But I tell you what, by the grace of God, I'm pleased with. Don't listen to the devil. He'll lie to you. He'll make you believe you've got all the time in the world to get saved. I'm going to tell you what. That little second hand is going around that clock over and over and over and over again. You can't stop it. Tell you what you can do. You can take a clock and you can go and you can take that second hand. You can break it over there. Time's still turning. It's still ticking. He's still going. And you're still lost. What excuse are you offering for putting salvation on? I'll tell you this God loves you so much. He gave His only begotten Son to take your place. That alone, I. I if there's anything hard to understand in Scripture, John 3.16 is hard for me to understand. Not, it's not hard to do. It's not hard to trust the Lord. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around that word so. Because except for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. I can't understand that word so. And the reason I can't is because i got two boys. I got a daughter. I could not give them to die on the cross, bleeding, bloody pulp, 
I could not get them for you. I couldn't. I love you, church. I, I love you. God has appointed me to be the under shepherd of this flock. I love you. I lay down my life for you. But I couldn't lay down my children. And I don't know, I, I'm sure that God can allow someone to grow and mature to a point in life where they might be able to do that, even if they did. Even if somebody said, you know what, I could. It wouldn't do no good because your kids are not perfect. Neither are mine. So it still wouldn't be good enough. But I want you to understand, God so loved you that much. He gave His Son for you, His only begotten Son. God considers you to be priceless. You know that you are more valuable to God than this whole planet we walk on. One day He's going to burn this up with a fervent heat. And just, you know, make a new heaven and a new earth. And God can do that. He can speak it into existence. And it's just there. Matter of fact, Jesus went to prepare a place for us, His bride, and He's been working on it 2,000 plus years. So this old earth we're living on is a garbage can compared to where we're going. And these parts of it, I, I love this world we live on. It's beautiful. Nature, beautiful. There's places you can go in here to take your breath. I can't imagine a place he's been preparing 2,000 years. And all he's got to do is speak it into existence. That's amazing. And yet the Lord loves you so much. He didn't die for the trees. Much as you love your puppy or your cat, he didn't die for your cat. He died for you. He paid the price for you. And so, consider your soul. You're lost. But here you are deciding to procrastinate. Procrastinate is just a word that means to put off. How many of you ever procrastinate when it comes to an oil change? I know that oil needs to be changed in the car. I think I'd get another thousand miles. Next thing you know, you'll be 10,000 miles and you still put it off. Uh, at some point, you put it off too long, you have to replace a motor. We procrastinate on them things. I'll get around to it eventually. That's procrastination. Here you are and you're lost. Are you going to put that off? Think of the consequences if you're wrong. What if today you walk out of this church lost and you made your appointment with them and you lift your eyes in hell and it is exactly what God said it was? What if? And this message you, you are hearing this morning, it echoes in your mind for eternity. What if I say this? Brother Brad, I just don't think that's a, at, a, at a better time I'll deal with all this. All I can say is you better hope you're right. 
you better hope by the grace of God, not just hope, you, you, you better pray and trust that by the grace of God, He's long-suffering and allows you to look opportunity. Because if He says you have met your appointment with death, you will not pass that point. You will not go past it. You may run to the doctor. Well, I got to be at the doctor at 10.30 in the morning and you get there at 10.45 and you go in there. I, I tell you what, I tried to get here, but the traffic was bad. I, I was doing my best. And they say, well, we'll let you get in. We'll work you in. It will not work that way with God. If you made your appointment with death, you're not going to negotiate the time. All of a sudden, you realize it's exactly what God said it is. It is unquenchable fire. You realize this is eternal. There's no hope. There's no mercy. There's no way to fix this horrible mistake you've made. No one to hear your feeble plea. And you realize this cannot be undone. It cannot be undone. You know, I, I watched my daddy from the time I was 30. Daddy got hurt. He hurt his neck real bad, and there was times whenever he couldn't lay down, he couldn't stand up. He would lay down for a few minutes, and he'd hop up in pain. He'd stand up for a few minutes, and he'd say, I've got to go lay down somewhere. And I watched him in pain like that, and I thought, my goodness, what if that was eternal? I watched him go through that for a couple of years while the doctors made up their mind whether they'd do surgery on him or not. And I thought, that two years, that was horrible for him. I could not imagine having to deal with that for eternity. Aren't you think about the lake of fire? Eternal, unquenchable fire. Pain and agony, and there's, you look at this and realize there is no way to make this better. Not even a drop of water. No mercy. I, I, want, I want to plead with you this morning. Let go of your excuse of being lost, of heading toward hell, and turn to the Savior by faith. Trust Jesus. You know what? The Bible said that when Jesus hung on the cross, as he paid the price, he said it's finished. The Bible said that his, his heart ran into the midst of his bones. When I think about that, somebody said Jesus died of a broken heart. Well, what was it that finally got him? Could he just not endure the physical pain? I, I believe the physical pain of the cross was probably, I won't say my mute, but I, I believe that that was secondary pain to the fact he was bearing the sins of the world. And then on top of that, to understand that even though I die for the whole world, there's going to be those, all they've got to do is turn and trust me. And there's going to be so many. The majority of the world is going to be mine. They're not going to trust me. Yet he done it anyway. You know, it's one thing to love somebody. It's another thing to love somebody whenever they don't love you back. 
Jesus had to, he had to deal with that on the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life and yet the majority of people will not even believe. If you're lost this morning, don't let that be you. What you do is you turn to Christ and you understand he paid your sin debt and then you trust him for salvation. Let him save you this morning. We ask for a song.